Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz. Want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Hope everyone is doing well tonight. If you're visiting us for the first time or want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. And as always, if you have yet to do so, please visit our YouTube channel, which is also called Dead Talk Live. Please go ahead and subscribe. And if you're there right now, it'd be appreciated if you guys hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. So how is everyone doing tonight? Want to welcome all of our regulars. We have our moderators with us. Singer Chick, uh, Saz is moderating as well as Khaleesi. We have Philip Thompson joining us on Facebook. Lindsay Sparks is with us on Facebook, as is Sammy from Montana. We have Liv with us on Instagram, Reckless, Moss, uh, Marie's moderating Instagram, Preciosa. Welcome to all you guys. And here in the Northeast, well, I'm in the Mid-Atlantic technically. I'm in the Washington, D.C. area. We are in the middle of a nasty-ass storm. Right now, outside my house, I just walked in from outside. It is pure ice falling from the sky. And if you just travel up the I-95 corridor uh, into the northeastern part of the United States, uh, it is going to be like 13 inches of snow uh, by the end of tonight. So anyway, uh, just looking over through some stuff here, guys. Got a message. Uh, anyway. Uh, Sorry for the distraction right there. Uh, how many of you guys heard the news today about the rant that Tom Cruise went on uh, while he's filming the movie uh, Mission Impossible 7? I'm sorry, there's a lot of distraction going on. Some people are having... Uh, uh, something with the background everything looks fine on my end is it okay now saying so, something is playing in the background uh, uh i do not hear anything what let's troubleshoot this together guys uh what are you hearing in the background because all i'm hearing is my okay it's stopped all right Sorry about that. I have an audio clip queued up. Maybe that's what was causing the problem. It's in regards to what I started saying uh, about the news that happened last night in regards to uh, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is in London filming Mission Impossible 7, and apparently he got upset at some crew members who were not following uh, COVID-19 guidelines. Uh it's not really clear from what I read. They were standing too close to each other. It didn't say they were not wearing masks or anything like that. But, but anyway, he got really upset and somebody actually recorded the audio because he went on a tirade. He got really, really upset. So I'm going to play the audio of what was recorded by Tom saying, and then we'll discuss it afterwards. So... For those of you who have not heard it, here it is. I hope you I hope it comes through. We are the gold standard. You're back there in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. Because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every 
studio at night. Insurance companies. Producers. And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again. Ever. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. And anyone on this crew does it. That's it. And you too. And you too. And you. Don't you ever do it again. That's it. No apologies. You can tell it to the people that are losing their because our industry is shut down. It's not going to put food on their table or pay for their college education. That's what I sleep with every night. Okay, I think he started to really calm down there towards the end. Okay, so let's give him credit for that. But uh, listen, I'm not mocking him. Uh, I just, I don't have enough context behind all that to know what was going on. Were these guys like right next to each other, not wearing masks, spitting on each other? I have no idea. Yeah. Did he go a little overboard? Absolutely. I just don't understand the whole we are the gold standard. All of Hollywood is looking to us to continue making their movies. I don't get that. Uh, I like Tom Cruise. I like Tom Cruise as an actor. I have much respect for him and for his work. But that whole rant right there of not being able to sleep at night, talking with insurance companies, producers, movie studios, we are the gold standard. All of Hollywood is looking to us to continue making movies. If we fail, he didn't say this directly, but it's sort of implied if we fail, every other movie out there is going to fail. I, I don't know where he got that from. I, I, I don't know where he got that from. 
And I thought, you know, people were just going to let it slide. We've seen stuff like this before. Uh, Christian Bale went off the deep end a couple of years ago. Christian Bale is the uh, the man who played uh, Batman in the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman. He went off the deep end because he was getting ready for an interview and somebody stepped in front of the camera. Oh my God, that poor guy. He just went off on him. But anyway, uh, Whoopi Goldberg brought this up today in The View. And uh, she defended him. And I want to make it clear, I'm neither defending nor putting him down. I don't have enough context to know what exactly happened to set off that tantrum. And it was a tantrum, by the way. Uh, but Whoopi Goldberg stepped in today and completely defended him. And she did it in a way that kind of bothered me. She did it in a way where she said that, you know, if you lose a sound person or a camera guy, they can be replaced. But if Tom Cruise goes down, well, then everything stops. I'm like, okay, I can see her point. He is the star of the movie. Uh, but don't disrespect the people working behind the camera so much and just flat out call them completely replaceable either. So anyway, just wanted to share that with you guys. I know it's completely off topic. I don't know if you guys got a chance to read it, hear it. I just heard it shortly before the show tonight. So, you know, I'm like, sure, let me go ahead and share that. And Marie, Marie, I saw your comment on Instagram. Don't ever compare me to TMZ. <laughs> I am not TMZ. I'm never going to be TMZ. I'm not striving to be TMZ. But yeah, Marie, I saw your comment. You know, Marie's our moderator on Instagram. Uh, so, yeah, don't ever compare me to TMZ. Anyway, uh, welcome uh, to CC Weezy, who's joined us on YouTube. Ruben has joined us. Uh, Singer Chick writes, my opinion, you treat people with respect and they'll treat you with respect. Exactly. Don't scream at me. I'll turn a cold ass to you so fast your head will spin and you can watch me walk away. Khaleesi writes, Viz is better than TMC. And uh, thank you, Khaleesi. And going back to Singer Chick's comment, I've said it all, I've said this all along on this show, uh, especially to the people who come in here who like to just stir trouble with their, with their comments and leave. You come in here, you show respect, you'll be treated with uh, respect. And that holds true for the real world as well. You treat people with respect, you'll get respect back. Just because you're Tom Cruise or some other really rich, successful movie star or whatever profession you're in, you're still a human being. You're still a person. And just because you're, you know made a lot of money at doing something does not really put you on a different playing field than everybody else. Uh, that I don't really believe in. So anyway, anyway, uh, want to welcome Math with us, who's just joined us on Instagram, all the way from Brazil. Welcome. So let's get to uh, some of our announcements, okay? 
The Walking Dead Season 10 teaser shows Carol and Daryl taking different paths. And they are referring to uh, uh, a new table read that was released. I actually have it for you guys to watch. It's very short, but let's go ahead and check that out. And then we'll go ahead and read this article. So here is the virtual table read that was released very, very recently. Exterior, Alexandria Day. Daryl's covered in mud, motor oil, and walker gore. What the hell happened to you? I was gonna ask you the same thing. Carol's covered in drywall plaster dust. Her skin streaked with sweat. They look like they've been through hell. Hey. You don't have to apologize. I'm good. Really. I was just gonna wish you luck. Without any further word, they each take different paths. That's it. Like I said, it was very, very short. Daryl, let's see, is covered in motor oil walker guts what was that third thing and carol was covered in drywall dust and this is supposedly what they're calling episode 22 of season 10 uh which would make it the here's negan one the sixth of the six extra episodes uh you're right khaleesi writes dirt so he's covered in uh, motor oil dirt and Walker Guts, lovely. I mean, you know, it wouldn't be Daryl Dixon if he's not covered in at least one of those three things. Now the drywall and Carol, hey, who knows? Maybe she took out some of her frustrations out on the wall. That is supposedly episode what they're calling 22, which is, I guess, would be the sixth episode of the six extra episodes that we're getting starting the end of February which is going to be the one with Negan and Lucille. Now, we know for a fact that Carol and Negan go off somewhere, and that's when Negan tells the story of his wife Lucille to Carol as he reminisces. And um, so I guess Daryl is going to be in that episode as well. So just a very little short glimpse into that table read. What the article says, the, the Walking Dead Season 10 teases, sees uh, Carol and Daryl taking different paths. Now, you saw that. That was like, what, barely 30 seconds? And they wrote a whole article based on those 30 seconds on how they're going their separate ways. Uh, anyway, uh, they're taking different paths. When The Walking Dead returns to AMC in February... Things will be a little different for the zombie drama as it embarks on a run of six bonus episodes that extend season 10 beyond last year's supposed finale. And it looks like that they've all come to a consensus and they're all calling it a part of season 10 now. Some used to call it season 11. Others would call it season 10. It seems, at least from the writers that are writing all these articles, they have all agreed or come to come some kind of consensus that it is indeed just uh, bonus episodes tied to season 10. Anyway, these bonus episodes, of course, come about due to the COVID restrictions, which dictated the show scale back its cast, crew sizes, make, making it difficult 
to stage the series signature full-on zombie mayhem. Oh my God, can you imagine Tom Cruise on the set of The Walking Dead with all those extra walkers and zombies? He would shit himself. I mean, we saw how he reacted when two behind-the-scenes crew members got a little too close to each other. Can you imagine him in a horde of extra walkers? Damn! Anyway, but the show is, in fact, making a virtue out of necessity with these new scaled-back episodes, taking the opportunity to zero in more on character-oriented stories. Recently, the show released unusual, unusually detailed synopsis for the various new bonus installments, revealing that one episode will focus on Negan's backstory, with his real-life wife Hillary Burton playing Lucille, while another one addresses Maggie's return after her very long absence from the show. Unsurprisingly, several of the episodes feature Carol and Daryl, the two characters who have become the heart and soul of the series. Carol and Daryl are indeed important enough to the Walking Dead universe to score their own upcoming spinoff show, set to debut after season 11 wraps up in 2022. But before the two beloved characters team up for their new adventures, it seems they have some lingering conflicts to work through in the remainder of season 10. In the fifth of the upcoming episodes entitled Diverged, the two literally reach a fork in the road and go their separate ways. So hold on. You know, every article I read today said that that was episode 22. Okay? So there were 16 episodes in season 10, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 would be the sixth episode, not the fifth. Anyway, they, they, they screw you up with these timelines, not only in regards to the zombie apocalypse, but actually which episode number you're up to. Uh, a new table read clip released a teaser shows the moment when Carol and Daryl paths diverge, leaving their relationship very much up in the air. I didn't get that from the table read. Uh, looking at Norman Reedus and Melissa McBride going over their lines, they come across each other. It looks like they're both having bad days, and they're saying, see you later. Not that they're splitting apart or... You know, this is goodbye forever or any of that. But anyway, apparently they're trying to find something where there's nothing there. The Diverged episode synopsis asks the question of Carol and Daryl, will their individual journeys be the tipping point needed to mend their friendship or is the distance between them permanent? Fans, of course, know that the distance between them is indeed not permanent, as it's already been revealed the two will get their own spinoff show. But since Daryl and Carol are both known to be loner types, Daryl's long self-exile in the woods after Rick's disappearance will also be addressed in an upcoming episode. It's no surprise to see the two of them splitting up 
one more time before they eventually come back together to resume their eternally platonic friendship. And they're also forgetting that we have a whole 24 more episodes after the six bonus episodes of season 11, the 24 episodes that can be split over two years, making up season 11, where I'm pretty damn sure that Daryl and Carol are going to cross paths quite often, you know, with the Commonwealth. It remains to be seen exactly what causes Carol and Daryl to split up in the new episode, but season 10 already saw the characters very much at odds after Daryl objected to Carol's endangering the group as she obsessively pursued revenge against Alpha for Henry's death. Alpha, of course, has been dispatched now thanks to Carol's accomplice, Negan, a situation that arguably only makes things more tense, as Negan is not someone who is entirely trusted by the other members of the group. These conflicts will be, will, uh, sorry, these conflicts and more will begin to be addressed when The Walking Dead returns to AMC on February 28th, 2021. Now, how many of you guys, I played you the table read. You all got to hear it. You all got to hear me read the article. How many of you guys out there think that they're reading a little too much into a 30-second clip of a virtual table read? Because I definitely do. Uh, I think they're reading way, way too much into Daryl and Carol coming across each other. And then basically saying, all right, see you later. See you later. Philip Thompson on Facebook writes, Carol is a badass mom too. She is. She just has horrible luck with children in the post-apocalyptic world. Want to welcome Alicia, who's uh, with us on Facebook. Welcome Alicia. Anil is also with us on YouTube, saying The Walking Dead is really, really superb. I watched all episodes again and again. Singer Chick writes, I wonder if there's going to be drama between them when Connie shows up now that we know that she's alive. And that always brings me back to a late spring article that we read uh, with an interview with Angela Kang, who's the showrunner of The Walking Dead, who specifically stated that Daryl's and Carol's relationship uh, has not hit rock bottom. Uh, throughout the majority, she said that uh, going into season 11 and for how long into season 11, we don't know, their relationship continues to go downhill. Uh, I mean, these two have been together for a very, very long time. They are brother and sisterly, you know, it's a brother-sisterly relationship, uh, or just best friends. Beth and Daryl were more of a brother-sisterly relationship. Daryl and Carol, they're just best of friends. That's the best way to describe them. But anyway, Angela said that their relationship does not immediately get better just because Alpha is dead and the Whisperer War is over. It's going to continue to decline to what is going to become uh, the reason that those two decide to leave 
and go off on go off by themselves. So what that is, how it's going to play out, nobody has an idea yet. Maybe the writers don't even know yet because that's still two years out. So we have to wait and watch and see how it turns up. Lindsay on Facebook writes, yep, I agree with you, Viz, about the article. Uh, uh, Anil writes, Daryl must try uh, to our Bollywood. <laughs> uh, Daryl in, I mean, in Bollywood, that's that's interesting. Never thought of that one. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead star offers hint about season six mid-season premiere. And I believe they are talking about Strand, Coleman Domingo, uh, who, of course, plays Victor Strand on Fear of the Walking Dead. Fear of the Walking Dead is enjoying one of its best seasons yet. In my opinion, the best season to date. And it sounds like there's even more drama to come. The AMC zombie series unexpectedly concluded season 6A, an episode early due to COVID-19 disrupting filming earlier this year, but that could work into the show's favor with anticipation that episode 8 will be a big episode to kick off the second half of season 6. And I've told you, I've told you guys this before. Uh, the first half of Fear of season 6 ended only after 7 episodes. Not because that's it was planned, but they could not finish uh, the last episode before the COVID restrictions kicked in. So they left it at seven episodes for the first half, and we're going to get nine episodes in the second half of Fear of the Walking Dead, when it also resumes in February to round out a full 16-episode season. Uh, just a word of note that Michael Satrazimus directed episode eight, which is going to be the pseudo mid-season premiere. And he also directed the very next episode, episode nine. So we're going to get two Satrazimus episodes back to back. And it's always a treat to watch episodes directed by Michael. Uh, Digital Spy asked Coleman Domingo, who plays Victor Strand, and also stars in Netflix, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Uh, what fans can expect from the midseason premiere? And while he was understandably vague, he offered a tease. I think you can expect the show this season is in anthology form. I think that really serves our characters and it serves the storytelling and you get to go deeper and bigger with our characters in that story, he said. Already in the first seven episodes, we have knocked it out of the park, and it's actually been said it's one of our best seasons ever. Yep, I've said that, and so have a lot of other people. I think it's just been amplified even more so. I think we're dialing up the stakes, dialing up the drama, dialing up the camera. Coleman added, before we were doing very stationary shots, but now we're sizing it up and letting gimbals work. We're just really exploring it a bit more cinematically with our show. I think that's going to give more story. The actor also shared that he is enjoying where the writers 
are taking the morally ambiguous Strand this season. Not only has Strand had a hand in two deaths, one in cold blood, they're talking about that person that he sacrificed when Virginia set them to clear those walkers out of that storage unit, but he also, unlike other characters, appears to have settled into and adapted to Virginia's world. And I'm one of those people. I mean, we've no Strand. Is Strand uh, having some kind of internal conflict with himself saying, hey, you know, it kind of sucks for my friends, but I have it pretty sweet here. I could really, you know, um, I am already somebody important in Virginia's group. And knowing his mind, he's probably already plotting a way uh, to overthrow her, not to liberate everyone, but to take over as leader of the pioneers. Not for the, for the benefit of saying, everybody, go out, be free, be happy, go make a life for yourselves. Uh, with Strand, you never know what's going through that character's mind. You absolutely have no idea. Uh, Felipe is with us, giving a lot of love hearts to The Walking Dead on uh, Instagram. Uh, he also goes on to say it's almost like a reinvention of Victor Strand. It's definitely bringing elements of season one from the guy that we first met to find out what he's capable of and sort of dialing that up as well. When he first met Virginia, he saw someone who had a more of a similar ethos about the apocalypse that he does. He's very pragmatic, and I think he's, char he's charged by that. And Virginia has developed a system that's very much a cooperative system. I guess that's one way to look at it. Uh, I think as we remember, Victor Strand was part of corporate America, and that's where he thrived. He thrived in real estate and business dealings, and he was a master manipulator. He was like, oh, here's a landscape I can get into. This is where I can find some agency in the world. So that's what's guiding his decisions. So that's what Coleman has to say, at least as how he, he was trying to be as vague as possible, but what could possibly be going through Victor Strand's mind as we're about to enter the second half of season six on Fear the Walking Dead. Um, so, uh, Singer Chick writes, I hope we get Michael back for a breakdown of the season premiere. Well, we could definitely do that. C.C. Weezy writes, can it be that Carol becomes so dangerous to herself and others to where she feels the best is to leave and Daryl go with her? Well, we've seen her do that many times before. She wasn't there when Glenn and Abraham died. She left. Uh, she left and Morgan followed her. Uh, that's how she was brought into the kingdom. Uh, so she has a history of leaving. Uh, but, and don't forget when Rick exiled her and she came back and saved their butts from the Terminus people. So there's, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely a precedence for Carol either being exiled or leaving the group on her own 
But at the end of the day, they always find their way back to each other. So uh, I found something really interesting I want to share with you guys today. It's titled The Most Dangerous Walkers. So let me go ahead and bring that up. Okay, here we go. All right. And I wanted to show you guys the pictures instead of having me just read it. The 10 most dangerous walkers in the franchise ranked. Now, this ought to be interesting, okay? So, going by this, it's they're giving... I don't know how to describe it, but let's just read the list. Number 10 on the list is Deadies. D-E-A-D-I-E-S. Perhaps it's the serious focus more on how the youth the youth of the world dealt with the apocalypse or just fatigue from another spin-off from the main series that has been quite lengthy in its own right but deadies never feel like a major threat on the show so i'm assuming they're talking about the walkers in world beyond and you're right as we discussed yesterday we have not seen any kind of hordes as we've seen in any of the other two shows. The term is one of the sh- is one the show gives the standard roaming walker, and target pra- target practice may have been a better name. They feel more like set pieces in a teen drama than truly terif- than a truly terrifying force. All right, number nine, roamers. Uh, Roamers are the most typical form of zombie in the series, and the name most frequently given to the walkers, as many of the characters found it hard to use the term zombie. Well, that's because we know that the term zombie does not exist in the Walking Dead universe. Roamers are just as the name says, walkers who roam the land in search of food and are the most frequently encountered type. On their own, they aren't that dangerous, moving incredibly slow and easily picked off with any form of projectile weapons a survivor could find. Number eight is ghouls. Now this has to be in reference to the games. Ghouls are often a term uh, thrown around in video games, but it's subpar survival instinct or the far superior Telltale game series. It helps give the games a little bit more flavor, and given the nature of them being more point-and-click adventure than full-on action fest, the walkers are presented as a bit more dangerous than they are in other mediums. Number seven, I can't pronounce that, Jiangxi. Okay, I believe it's what it says. The Jiangxi are the primary foes of the novel, The Walking Dead Typhoon. I have never heard of Robert Kirkman's The Walking Dead Typhoon, which is probably, that's my bad, which takes place in China, giving a first look at how the Asian nation dealt with the outbreak. The term comes from the Chinese folklore for undead creatures that consume life force. It is a fitting name for this brand of walker 
who is presented as a force of nature, tying in with the name of the whole book. They are shown as a constant threat and one that takes out more than their fair share of survivors by the finale of the book. Uh, Ruben writes, Me Too. I have not heard of that book as well. Number six on the list is Floaters. Now, we all remember the Well Walker in season two. You have the picture right there of T-Dog as they're trying to pull the Well Walker out of the well. Did not go over too uh, well. So the guy split in half very pro- in the very next scene after this screenshot. Floaters aren't much of an upgrade over roamers, but bring with them the threat of pollutants and disease beyond their bite. They are walkers who have sat in water for too long, becoming extremely bloated and weathered from exposure. So you see, guys, even walkers get their bloated days. Their skin looks even more decrepit, peeling from its face in clumps. They look and feel like a walking pathogen that always needs to be handled with care. Even at the end of the world, other viruses exist. So we all remember this. This is one of the funniest ones. Uh, I love this scene, you know, where the well walker, poor Glenn, they send him down there to tie him up. They pull him up. The, the dude splits in half. His, half. his bottom half goes back into the well. And if you all remember what uh, T-Dog says right after that, sure glad we didn't do something stupid like shoot it. Anyway, that's, that was hysterical. Uh, number five on the list is lurkers. Lurkers are like the spiders of the walkers. They lie in wait, allowing their prey to come up to them rather than giving chase. The reason usually isn't due to tactics, but due to some injury that keeps them from roaming. So I know what they're talking about here are the lurkers. Those are the walkers that have become embedded in trees, okay? Uh, That a poor survivor goes up to lean up against a tree. The next thing you know, within that tree is a camouflaged zombie that ends up taking a huge chunk either out of their face, shoulder, or whatnot. Uh, That's how we lost what's-his-name. Uh, when the Alexandrians were trying to lure the horde out of the quarry and away from Alexandria. And for the life of me, I cannot remember that character's name. He was the one that started screaming after he got his cheek bit off and Rick had to put him down because he was starting to attract too much attention from himself and uh, was steering the herd away. Thank you, C.C. Wheezy. Carter. His name was Carter. C.C. Wheezy also mentions another lurker. The lurker who was asleep that bit Herschel. That's right. We saw a walker taking a nap, uh, which we have not really seen that much since. When Herschel went to cross over him, 
he woke up from his little walker nap and decided to take a chunk out of Herschel's leg. Lurkers, uh, okay, number four, Swarmer. Swarmer are a smaller scale of a massive hive mind that was the herd that assaulted Alexandria in the comics. While not as dangerous, they can easily overwhelm a group as they nearly did to Magna's group. Uh, they're talking about when we first get introduced to Magna, Yumiko, Luke, Connie, Kelly, and company. They aren't beyond defeating, however, as they can easily uh, be herded where the survivor wishes for them to go or be outright mowed down by those with superior firepower, as the Commonwealth showed, taking down a swarm as if it were nothing. Okay, so I did not know these terms even existed. Number three on the list is blockers. Okay, I guess it's like a football team. You need the blockers for the real zombies behind them. <laughs> blockers aren't much different than your standard walker, other than the fact that they are wearing armor, of course. Like, no duh. Armor? What the hell are they talking about? Blockers were a creature of overkills the walking dead to spice up the variety of the game, giving a few more challenging foes. Oh, I get it. The blocker's armor takes more precise aiming to deal with, taking far more than just a single headshot to take them down. Their increased defenses can buy them just enough time to get close ground on you and then, of course, take you out. Now, just take a look at this ugly son of a bitch right here. All right? These are called bloaters. Okay? Bloaters. Uh, going back to the well walkers, I guess they go hand in hand. But that is one ugly ass zombie right there. All right? Kudos to whoever did the makeup uh, or constructed this thing. But damn, what the hell is that? Uh, exactly, Ruben, who says the same thing. What the hell is that? God damn, that is an ugly dead thing. Anyway, bloaters are everything floaters represent, even more dangerous. You know, this is where my mind, no, you know what, I'm not even going to say it. It's totally inappropriate. We're talking about bloaters and floaters, and my mind went, well, I'll leave it up to your imagination. Bloaters are everything floaters represent, only even more dangerous. Rather than simply having the exposed and disease-ridden skin, they have the bonus of exploding upon death. <laughs> oh, boy. A zombie that acts like a mobile virus grenade is dangerous and makes them one of the most annoying characters to deal with in Overkill's The Walking Dead. Again, this is going back to the games. Made specifically for the game, you could only imagine how difficult they would have been able to deal with in the comic universe. God, can you imagine one of our survivors coming across this thing? I mean, if I was like 
one of the survivors. I just, I, this thing is just so captivating. I would just stare at it. I'm like, God damn, son. How'd you get to be this way? And number one on the list, of course, is the herd. The fearsome herd, like we saw in uh, episode 16 of the season 10 finale. The largest zombie her- herd that we have seen to date. Thousands and thousands of zombies, walkers that Beta gathered up. A mob mentality can be dangerous, especially when it's used by a group of walkers. On their own, they've always lacked any sort of threat, but once they formed a herd, it's an entirely different story. They start to learn from one another and work as a hive mind, all swarming a location as one rather than funneling in one by one. With enough of them, they can make the use of melee weapons moot as for every kill you make, two or more will converge on you. So there you guys have it. I learned a whole bunch of terms that I had no idea existed before I just read that article. (laughs) That is some weird stuff. But that number two, that bloater, you know, whoever created that, you know, you got to give them kudos for the imagination to come up with something that damn ugly and yet have it be that brilliant. And can you imagine, like I said, seeing that on the TV screen or in the film? Uh, It would scare the living crap out of you, let alone, you know, if you're acting in it and that's supposedly the world that you're living in it and you're being chased by one of those bloaters and it could explode on you at any given moment. Damn. Uh, Anyway... Uh, let's move on. The next thing, uh, uh, we're going to skip that. that. These are these are just, you know, Reddit people fighting over uh, nonsense. Here's an interesting article. And before I read it, please take this with a grain of salt. Uh, five actors who thought the Walking Dead universe did them dirty. That's the actual headline. Nobody likes to lose a paying gig, least of all actors working on one of the most popular shows on television. However, being killed off is one of the hazards of working on The Walking Dead, which has killed off more characters than almost any show in television history. No one is safe. The show's creator, Robert Kirkman, has often warned that and that has proven to uh, be even true for some of the most for the show's longest running and most popular characters. More than 25 quote unquote series regulars have been killed off in 10 seasons, not to mention numerous other reoccurring characters. Some actors have left the show of their own volition like Andrew Lincoln and Denai Guerrero, whose characters are both still alive, and some knew from the beginning that when they, when they would be killed off, like Shane, played by John Bernthal, and Scott Green. The death of some other characters, however, 
not only came as a surprise to the actors, but left some of them less than pleased with the circumstances surrounding their on-screen deaths. Though they obviously knew coming in that they could die at any time, they still felt burned by their exits. Now, here are five examples. The number five on the list is Laura Lindsley Register, who was a guest of ours. And I just want to say up front, when we had Lindsley on our show, there was not a hint that she was upset with the show on how she was written off it. Uh, and we talked about it in quite in, in detail as to how she went out a hero, sacrificing her own life to protect Alexandria. I mean, we all know Laura was a savior who migrated and became a very trusted member of Alexandria. But anyway, Register is an example of one of those reoccurring characters who managed to rack up 20 episodes of the series, and although few people knew her character by name, by the end, everyone probably recognized her face. She was a high-ranking member of Negan's Saviors before being absorbed by the Alexandrians, and she was killed by Beta in a clash that left her with a broken neck. If you guys remember, Bader picked her up like a rag doll and broke her neck up against the, um, the jail cell, the bars. It wasn't clear, however, that she had died until she appeared in the memoriam section of Talking Dead. Register revealed that she was disappointed and she didn't get, she didn't get to have another confrontation with Negan, but she said that she was thrilled to die while fighting one of the show's best villains in regards to Beta. Fans were upset about Laura's exit, and Register clearly appreciated how upset they were that she had been killed off, retweeting some of their tweets. All right, that's all good and natural, don't put it under an article heading, you know, where it says actors who thought The Walking Dead did them dirty. You know, that's misleading. Anyway, the next person on the list is Jesus, uh, played by Tom Payne. And when we had Michael Satrazimus on the show, Michael is the one that directed the episode where Jesus died. And Michael shared with us that, you know, Tom Payne, who played Jesus, he knew his time was coming up. He was fine with it. And all he did was ask Michael to give him a kick-ass death. And that was one of the most scarier episodes of The Walking Dead that we have seen. It was the mid-season finale for season nine. Jesus's death, which came during the ninth mid-season finale and coincided with the introduction of The Whisperers, was one of the show's better kills, in part because it was so surprising. No one saw it coming because Tom Payne's character still figured into the comic series. Payne, who has since gone on to star uh, into the Fox series Prodigal Son, wasn't upset about being killed off. He thought that The Walking Dead did him dirty 
but not taking better advantage of him while he was on the show. I was kind of frustrated with that I had gotten to do on what I had gotten to do on the show, and I was kind of a bit bored with it, Payne said, as his role as Jesus. If I wasn't being given anything, I was kind of ready to go. Instead of being disappointed by his death, Tom Payne was relieved. And I think what he's referencing is uh, there's a, a big article that came out this past summer on how Tom Payne would have liked to explore uh, a relationship possibly with Aaron. Uh, and that never got to happen on the show. I'm not positive that's what he's referring to, but I know that he has mentioned that in prior interviews. Anyway, number three on the list is Madison Clark. Now, this is a big question mark because right now, everyone who watches Fear the Walking Dead is wondering, is Madison actually dead or not? Uh, Madison Clark, played, of course, by the wonderful Kim Dickens, one of the most surprising deaths in all 17 seasons of the Walking Dead universe was the exit of Kim Dickens' character Madison in the fourth mid-season finale of Fear the Walking Dead. No one, it seems, was more surprised by it than Kim herself. She was the nominal lead of the series, and while she took her exit well, her statements over the years have made it obvious that it was not her decision and she wasn't that pleased with it. They saw my disappointment, Dickens said, of her reaction when she was told she will be killed off. They said what I disagreed, uh, they saw what I disagreed with about. She said that the decision was shocking to me and disappointing. It was heartbreaking. The one upside, however, is that fear producers are now open to the possibility of bringing Madison back. And apparently, there are even discussions of that. And it, we, it, is, it is definitely in the realm of possibility that Madison could come back to Fear the Walking Dead, which I think would be amazing to have Madison, Morgan, Dwight, Alicia, what a great set of characters. Um, and it's no, and then they're supported by other great characters such as John Dory, June, Sherry is now on Fear the Walking Dead. Just to bring Madison into that fold, I see no downside whatsoever. Uh, you know, she still has her daughter out there. Alicia, so there's she has every motivation, if she is still alive, to reconnect with that group. She and Victor uh, had become very close. In fact, when everybody wanted to ditch Victor, she was his only ally, you know? Uh, now, the next one we've all heard about, Andrea. Andrea, played by Lori Holden, she did not keep it back at all that she was very upset that Andrea's character came to an end. 
Lori Holden signed an eight-year deal with The Walking Dead, and they killed her off after three seasons. Why? We don't know. She was not the biggest fan favorite. We know that. Uh, But she didn't like how it went down. She didn't like how her character evolved, how she was ultimately killed. When she signed on for the role, she thought she would be on for eight seasons. If you guys are familiar with the Walking Dead comic books, Andrea is very much alive and well, all the way through to the Whisperer War. In the comic books, there is no Rishon. It's just, you know, Andrea and Rick become the couple that lead Alexandria. So, but they decided to go a completely different way in regards to the show. Uh... I know for the three seasons, there's a lot, like I said, a lot of mixed reaction in regards to the character of Andrea. A lot of people did not like her character. For me, it was frustrating watching all the bad decisions her character made, especially during the governor arc. Uh, She got a lot of people killed with those bad decisions. But anyway, Laurie Holden was not happy to... uh, be written off the show and of course number one you guys have even said it in the chats Carl Grimes okay Chandler Riggs uh, that was bad that did not go over very well uh, if we believe what we read it did not go over very well with Chandler Riggs his, uh, his dad he signed up to go to University of Georgia Uh, Because he was going into college thinking that he would still be working on The Walking Dead. I mean, like I said, there's two sides to every story. But from everything that we read, and there's just one paragraph really. Well, actually two. Let me read it to you. No one got done dirtier than Carl Grimes, who was supposed to make it to the end of the series, but who inexplicably was killed off in a painfully anticlimactic fashion in the eighth season. It's still not entirely clear why Carl was killed off in the series, except that then-showrunner Scott Gimple thought it might inject some juice into flagging ratings. It didn't. Uh, No, 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 no. That was a bad choice right there. Riggs took it very hard, saying that it was devastating to lose something that was such a huge part of his life. But he was much kinder than his own father, who reacted with anger. Watching Gimple fire my son two weeks before his 18th birthday, after telling him, they wanted him for the next three years, was disappointing. I never trusted Gimple or AMC, but Chandler did. I know how much it hurt him. And I'm a father. And I feel his pain. Okay? Your son is two weeks from turning 18. He has spent eight plus years. He grew up on the set of the show. 
And if Scott did indeed tell Chandler Riggs that, hey, you're going to be on for at least another three years, uh, and then they all of a sudden kill him off, no. As a father, that would piss me off as well. But like I said, there are two sides to every story. I would love to hear what Scott has to say about how that all went down and hear his side of the story. Uh, It has to have been more than Scott thinking that it would raise ratings. Because I can't fathom the showrunner believing that killing off one of the biggest fan favorites next to Rick Grimes would boost the Walking Dead ratings. Instead, it had the complete opposite effect. A lot of people, especially in a show that did not feature that many teenagers. We just had a few teenagers in Alexandria. You know, it was after his death where we got introduced to Lydia, some more teenagers. It just could have gone in so many many different ways and that would have been better. And I have theorized before on this show that the only possible reason I can think of that they killed off Carl Grimes, off The Walking Dead, was to give a credible reason as to why Rick Grimes spares Negan's life. Okay, so Carl gets bit, Carl writes the letters, Rick reads the letters where Carl is asking Negan and Rick to stop fighting, find a way to move on, live together. And when the showdown happened between Rick and Negan, Rick decided to save his life instead of kill him. All because of the Carl letters. But still, it could have been done. There are other ways to do it, to... uh, find a way to for Rick to spare Negan without killing off one of the biggest, biggest fan favorites of The Walking Dead. Uh, Singer Chick writes, I saw Gimple in an interview, and he honestly did say that after a lot of discussion, they decided that ca- killing Carl off was the only way to propel the story where he wanted it to go. And... I think I've read that as well, and it has to be in regards to Rick sparing Negan. That's the only thing I can think of when he's talking about propelling the story moving forward. Negan was not going to die, as we're seeing right now. Negan's a huge part of the Walking Dead storyline. So, it still remains a mystery to this day. So, of course, it did not go over very well. I know personally... I I have my own kids. Uh, My oldest stopped watching The Walking Dead, the episode where Chandler died, where Chandler Riggs, uh, Carl Grimes was killed. Has did not watch an episode after that. Watched the whole every episode up to that point. Has not watched a single episode since. So just one last statement here. Khaleesi writes, "Yep, I read that too. He bought a house in Georgia." He gets called two weeks before he buys the house. He was promised three more years. People say it was because of him turning 18. He would have to be paid more. I heard that as well, where Chandler Riggs was asking for a lot of money. 
I don't know. Was it money? Was it story? The bottom line is we do not have the whole story. We just have little bits of information here, bits of information there. We do not have the whole story. So anyway, guys, that's it for tonight. We actually went five minutes over the one hour mark tonight. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. You could see our featured episodes, recent episodes, our guest list, both both past and upcoming guests. Uh, also, please visit our YouTube channel, which is called Dead Talk Live, and subscribe. If you're there right now, it would be greatly appreciated if you hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. You guys are awesome as always. It's the best part of my night to come here and talk with all of you. I'll be back on the air again tomorrow. Reminder, Saturday, we're having Ronan Rubenstein, star of Smiley Face Killers, and also co-star of 911 Lone Star on, on TV. So make sure to tune in for that. Uh, so stay safe. If you're in the Northeast, in the middle of this uh, snow slash ice storm that we're getting, stay dry. Till tomorrow night, guys, stay walking. Good night.